The Exorcist. That's it. Okay, thanks, bye. So then, music. <laughs> Talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? So who the hell else are you talking? Talking to me? No, funny how. I'm Peter Brinkley. We all go a little mad sometimes. I'm kind of a big deal. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! And the clock is running. How's your beaver? <laughs> working up to it. You're <laughs> working up to the beaver. That's your end um that's your end thing, right? Apparently so. Okay, the clock is now running, definitely. We're literally running. Yeah, yeah. We got some criticism <laughs> about um, our openings. It took us three minutes to get to um, uh, actually talking about Mad Max last week. Um, so, how long should we take to talk about The Exorcist? Well, we've already done it. We mentioned it straight away off the bat. So it's reviewed, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it technically, it, we're in the zone. So now we can talk about gardening. Okay. So how are your um, flowers growing in your garden? <laughs> I've got some luscious um, lavender growing. Smells lovely. Okay, now... Drawing in the bees, though. Drawing in the bees? Problematic. We have a wasp problem. Yeah. We've got a wasp nest that's being dealt with on Saturday, so, yeah. You get a guy in to do stuff. Do it yourself. What's wrong with you? Um, you people with your money and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, wor- a working couple. That's all that about. She wouldn't let me... She wouldn't let me climb a ladder. I'll be honest with you. Probably if I tried to sort out a wasp or a bee's nest, it's I'd near, die. It's up near the chimney. So I'm don't not, do that. There you go. It'll be gremlins, won't it? So I'm going to call a guy. Yeah, it'll be like gremlins with, with that story she tells with the Santa. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. In there. Yeah, but it'd be you. You don't want to have that. No, no it's no. Christmas. Okay, no. okay. What's next? Um, the Exorcist. So sport. Sport. Any sport happening at the moment? Anything enjoyable, sport-wise? Um, I've been enjoying walking to the train. That's as sporty as I can get. Which is dangerous at night, but... I was actually thinking, because I'm not into sport, what I think I'd be into is watching like a championship of people who are really bad at sport trying to play sport. I think that's something I'd tune into and watch. Not bad cricket. Well, instead of watching people who are like the yeah. world's best at what they do, you know, yes. like the Beckhams and whatever, I don't even know if <laughs> it's, it's good, good enough. It's model underwear. Well, I just have loads of people who are like really crap at football or whatever trying to play. That would be great. That would be me. <laughs> well, exactly, it would be me. The other day, some, I was with River in the park and someone kicked a ball over a fence. And he was like, oh, mate, you just kick it back. So he was like, yeah, no problem. Took a run and it kicked it. And I don't know how, but instead of going forward, it just went to the right, <laughs> away from them. Further away? Yeah, I was you... like, oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> they laugh at you. They did a little bit. Yeah, but they, they busted your balls for that. Yeah. Okay, no. okay, what's next? Um, business. Oh, wait, that's three minutes and 20 seconds, so we beat last time, so let's start talking about what we wanted to talk about. What's that? The entire series? Well, we're of... going to talk about the Exorcist films. 
Because we, we are fans, naturally. Of the first film. <laughs> of the series. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing, isn't it? So, I mean, okay, let's, let's just do it this way. Let's go back in time to 19... Was it 1969 when the book came out? Yeah, I think around, around about, around yes. about that time, yeah. So, Summer of Love, you're still alive because you, you've always said to me that if you were alive in the 60s and the 70s, you probably would die. Young. Well, the 60s, I would mm. have been wrapped up with the music scene and would have probably done too much drugs. Mm. Janice Joplin would have probably, like, well, me and Janice Joplin were making the love. She would have th- thrown up in my face and I would have choked on a vomit and died. That's exactly how I pictured it. Exactly yeah. how I pictured it. I give a fuck vibe, don't I? And, and she, she actually finds it funny. Janice. Yeah. But um, speaking of vomit... Yeah, well, see. <laughs> ties in. Um, so, yeah, we, we're back in time. We, we get this book. We see this book in the shop and everybody's yeah. talking about it. Um, a lot of people are frowning on it because it's, it's, it's supposed to be this, this naughty book. Bad book. Yeah. Evil book. Naughty, naughty book. Kind of um, like Fifty Shades of Grey, but actually a real book yeah and mm. actually written very well <laughs> yeah. and makes sense actually and makes sense and has a narrative and when it makes a movie you know people are vomiting and, and fainting for another reason yeah because of fear okay so you have so this let's book. say um, arguably based on a true case but happens with the boy not a girl and yeah. um, the boy was erratic behaviour apparently they took the boy into um, a church and he just went mad and crazy in there and stuff did this one survive, do you know? Or was it... Yeah, I, th- I don't think he... I don't think there's a death involved in it. Nobody went to jail, basically. Yeah, yeah, but I think this inspired this, the book. Yeah, absolutely. And then the book subsequently inspired an incredible film. Something beyond comprehension is happening to a little girl on this street, in this house. A man has been sent for as a last resort to try and save her. Now, incidentally, it came out in uh, in winter time. Um, I think it was Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a nice, uh, yeah, nice little, uh, nice little religious to Jesus' birth. Um, and the reaction was astonishing. It's frightening. Do you think she'll go back in? I don't know. I have a friend in there alone, and I I, I don't want to leave her in there alone. So I probably will. But it's just it's it's. It's incredibly frightening. Well, people were fainting. Yes. People were being exercised after watching the film. They ran to church because yeah. they were f- afraid. Yeah, a lot of people were literally running to the, to the church. It just scared me to death. Things just like this just it just scared, really scared me to death. I'm just nervous. Do you remember what particular scene it was that... Uh, when that she was in... What was it? When she was in a room, the doctors came in and she was... when I guess it was when she was talking to Devil's Voice... Oh. oh, God, I can't believe it. Are you going to go back in and see more of the movie now? Probably, yeah. What are you going to do right now? I don't want to see it, but my curiosity is killing me. I have to see it. I fainted like 10 minutes after the first beginning of the movie. And I walked out, and they gave me some water. I passed out. In, in about the first half hour, yeah. yeah. Do you remember what, what it was, what scene it was that affected you so convulsions, much? Convulsions, when she took convulsions. Because I have a little girl, and it was like watching my little girl. 
I think it's disgusting. Why? I don't know. It's just, it's just, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make me want to get sick like everybody says. It just, my legs are just going, Neh. and I want to go in the lobby and not watch it, and I have to cover my ears. <laughs> what was it that made that happen? Just when when she started talking, like, devil coming out of her. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I can't even describe it. It's so horrible. It just... I don't know why I waited four hours to see that. <laughs> the devil made her did it, I bet. We've talked before about like really good horror films having people being scared of the child. Yeah. Um, it's it, to have her saying these things mm. and acting in that way, coming out of this little, yeah, really pretty little girl, is shocking. That's I mean exactly. I mean they they set up the film beautifully. I mean the uh, character of Reagan is this. It's, it's kind of like the daughter you everybody wants to have. She's sweet, she's funny, you know, she's got a good sense of humour, and all of a sudden she just changes. Oh, yeah? Well, let's both play. You really don't want me to play, huh? No, I do. Captain Howdy said no. Captain who? Captain Howdy. Who's Captain Howdy? You know, I make the questions and he does the answers. Oh, Captain Howdy, I see. Nice. Oh, there he is. Here, I'll show you. Captain Howdy, do you think my mom's pretty? Captain Howdy? Captain Howdy, that isn't very nice. Mm -hmm. And things well, that's get, the thing, yeah. though, it's subtle. It is very subtle, very subtle. You know what I mean? Like, She's not very well, she's a little bit sick. Are you comfortable, Reagan? Yes. How old are you? Twelve. Is there someone inside you? Sometimes. Who is it? I don't know. Is it Captain Howdy? I don't know. If I ask him to tell me, will you let him answer? No. Why not? I'm afraid. If he talks to me, I think he'll leave you. Do you want him to leave you? Yes. I'm speaking to the person inside of Reagan now. Little things that really, the first time I watched The Exorcist, really got to me was like when uh, her mum woke up in bed and she's in bed with her. He said, what are you doing here? She goes, I can't sleep. My bed keeps shaking. And don't think anything of it and go back to sleep. That yeah. stuff gets under my skin. Yeah. And it really, yeah, first time I watched The Exorcist was at a cinema. You know when it got re-released? Yes. On like an anniversary. 1998. Yeah, that's the first time I watched it. I think. Yeah, and um, yeah, it really affected me. Yeah, it, it's it, I've got a really interesting story of how I managed to watch it the first time. Um, it was a bootleg copy. Right. It was just before the anniversary uh, of the uh, of the film, and um, I was in this uh, video shop that I used to frequent a lot. This is where I got all my videos. I used to buy five videos a week from this from this guy for you know five to ten pound or something like that. Right. Um, it was a really kind of a wheezy guy. <laughs> you could always hear him and you always know where he is so really for shoplifters it's quite an easy easy target that shop yeah, he's really difficult to creep up on you yeah you can't just Darth Vader here you know. so anyway um, he, I, I said um, I, I bought The Exorcist 2 The Heretic and yeah. I was because I hadn't seen the first one and this was the, the the only thing that I could watch that was closest to mm. so he goes I've, I've got a copy of The Exorcist uh, you can borrow it if you want borrow it 
I went, oh, so I went, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he brought down this tatty, um, big plastic box. Right. Uh, it was a rental. It was a, um, I don't know if it was a ripped off um, bootleg copy from America, but it was a, it was a guaranteed um, copy of um, Exorcist. So I, I took it. And I went to work that day because uh, I worked in a restaurant and I told all the chefs, I said, hey, guess what I've got in my bag? I've got the Exorcist. And they were out of their mind. They were like, like oh my God, yeah. And, and the whole shift was that they didn't say, when are you going to watch it? When are you going to watch it? I said, well, when, as soon as I get home, I'm going to watch it. I said, so you, you can't watch it on your own. It's the Exorcist, man. It's the Exorcist. It was a big deal. So they said, look, look, look Frank's out of town. That was the boss. You know, we'll, we'll once we've closed the shop, closed up, we'll just lock the doors and we'll put it on the uh, uh, on the TV in, in the restaurant and we'll watch it there so after everything closed down we we got enough pints to, to settle us because we couldn't buy pints after a certain time so mm. we basically got four pints lined up for the next couple of hours and we put it on a TV set probably not that big and because um, you know, it was like 1997-98 and it was the Charlie Chalk machine it was the Charlie Chalk TV All right. in the children's corner puppets dangling everywhere we had the restaurant to ourselves it was pitch black we shut all the lights off and we watched the exorcist and it was probably one of the most exciting viewings it was better than watching it in a cinema better than watching it big we had these puppets dangling around everybody was freaking out we watched it twice that night we didn't right. i didn't get out of the, uh, out, out there until after two three in the morning and everybody was just loving it all the chefs and as many waitresses as we can involve because yeah. it's important <laughs> and it was great it was fantastic and uh, I've never forgotten that experience because it it was the the experience that you do want when you're watching something like The Exorcist you don't want to watch it just on the whim mm. make it a big special event you know that's what I call the, what, you know, the best uh, viewing of The Exorcist yeah. I've ever had right and it was just oh, well, did it, you just, find it scary when you've got people around you it kind of we kind of felt more unnerved about the idea that there were puppets dangling around the mm. TV set and they were looking at us and we didn't find it as scary um, until I until I took it home and watched it on my own again I think then then I was able to kind of cancel cancel out everything else around me and just really focus in because when I watched it it was me and my mate and that was it yeah in a theatre it was dark there was air conditioning blowing cold air on us or we were cold that would be weird oh it was really really scary hmm. yeah visceral experience oh look at the rain oh it's pissing now and, and time for a weather report it's raining yeah today in Manchester it rained it rained okay that's the devil because we're talking about the exorcist yeah I know I think that the devil will be doing a lot more than rain in that sulphur it'll be doing is it sulphur yeah, really, <laughs> really sulfur. Dead, yeah okay oh my god it's sizzling out there <laughs> so yeah we both had a really good first yeah. viewing of The Exorcist mm -hmm. and I think uh, if, if it was any other movie we wouldn't have gone to the extent that we did I think to, to there's really... something special about The Exorcist it was a truly remarkable film it's it's an it's an alluring uh, experience, and oh, you know, there's a, the, the lengths they went to by like freezing the room, so you know the breath was yeah. real. And... That you're making making of the movie was, I mean, Linda Blair 
um, she went in that audition uh, with her mother, and um, she le- left the mother actually away. Well, yeah, because did. didn't they have the uh, the load of kids just say some things? That, and then Linda just, Blair said some outrageous stuff. She had to literally storm. just... She literally read what, what what she had on the page and it was just all this cocksucker, motherfucker. Yeah. All this. Um, and, yeah, she felt horrified. She didn't know how she was going to tell her mother, who was waiting out in the waiting room, you know, that, that what she'd just been told to do. She felt really... For, but for a 13-year-old to be... She was 12 or 13. Mm. To be conscious... Of the fact that what she was saying was bad. I mean, as a thirteen-year-old, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, "Hey, this is cool." Yeah. But she was honestly conscious. She was mature enough to kind of have an understanding of the consequences of what she was saying. So, yeah, give her the role. She was, she was right for the part. Yeah, absolutely. Holy <laughs> shit, was she right for the part? Because the stuff that they did to her for the whole film. Well, yeah, the part when she's banging up and down in the bed. Yeah. They were doing that. They had pulleys, weren't they? And when she's screaming, saying it's hurt, she was literally screaming. That was actually hurt, that was at the time when they stopped. They had to stop. Yeah, she because they were hurts. literally hurt. Yeah, it. I think she had a code word, but she just didn't use it. So she just kept on saying it hurts, it's hurting, it's hurting, and then realised, hang on, that's not in the script. Yeah. Let's uh, stop. <laughs> Look, her spine's popped out. Let's stop <laughs> yeah. for a bit. Yeah, pop it back in. She's she's still <laughs> smiling. She's all right. She's thirty. That's the funny thing <laughs> when you see the uh, the backstage photographs, uh, the backstage sorry, the behind the scenes photographs, which got all the makeup on, and she's just smiling, being a kid. That's it? that's why I've chosen that picture of of her and freaking yeah, freak freak freaking um, smiling yeah, on the yeah. set because The Exorcist. Okay, you can just throw out horrible pictures of Reagan all you want. But it's not. It's about this little girl who's vulnerable to the devil, mm. and you know we sh- you should never forget that ever for one moment when you're watching it, and you don't. You still, even when it's it's at the very end, and it's it is really looking like crap. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I have no idea how. I mean, it's the manifestation of the devil. It wasn't really her skin. Because she returns back to normal pretty well. I'm, I'm and surprised. it goes straight onto the father, doesn't it? And to uh, Karis. Yeah. But, so um, the, the concept of an exorcism is that, that makeup jobs move from one person to the other. But the idea is that... Yeah, that's the one thing that never quite made sense. Because I always thought that she was... Um, she's doing it to herself. She was, you know... Re- scarring. She was scarring, herself. you know, Reagan's skin. and Which in the case of Annalise... Michael's probably was very what very, happened yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah at the very end it does transfer straight to Keris so mm. okay but the film's good enough to let that slide I guess because, I mean yeah he has to die falling down the rubber steps you know that's that's yeah. important that he, he does that it's quite funny because on the day that they um, they did that um, every single step was lined with, with rubber yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot um, of steps. <laughs> there's a lot of steps. He did it twice, didn't he? Um, I'm not sure. I but, uh, he, he said he said, when he told them, how do you, how do you do that? He said, well, I just basically let my body just, just become relax. really yeah. relaxed. And there were kids over the the neighbors who were watching it. Uh, they were charging people to come to the back garden to watch the actual fall, the actual filming of that uh, scene. They were yeah. charging all the other kids and everybody else to to come and watch it from their garden so they were making a book which is great I mean I think that's you know when, when, when you're actually I, I, bet, I wonder if they actually knew that they were actually watching the most amazing horror film ever made I mean it really is The Exorcist is by far 
the best horror film. <laughs> it's one of the best films ever. But, it's not... but there's, there's horror films I like more. Are there? Yeah, like I, Halloween and the thing. I probably, I probably like. You probably the thing. like those more. Probably, but I, the, it's a personal I, thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I suppose The Exorcist is a better, better film. I think, yeah, it all depends on that personal experience. I think because, mm. because I, like I say, that experience of watching it for the first time in a children's area of a restaurant, pitch black, it was a great night. It mm. was a different experience so I don't, you know I didn't have that with Damien the Omen or anything like no, that no, which no. is I was, still a great movie things before I watched The Exorcist for the first time I was freaked out before I even went in there yeah because what I was about to see yes because I built it up so it could have been awful and I would have been scared you yeah. know what I mean yeah. I did the same thing when I was a kid when I watched The Amateur 2 The Possession <laughs> it's a terrible film but when I first watched it on an old grainy VHS, I was already freaked out before I watched it. So as I watched it, I was like, oh my God, and turned it off, you know. And now I've watched it since, and it's just a laughable, bad film, you know. Yeah, and I think that nowadays, when it looks like when we watch, the, uh, watch Poltergeist, hmm. I was anticipating something scary, but it didn't deliver, and, no. I, and I didn't let it scare me, because there was nothing there to be scared about. Which, back in the day, you know, the heretic was still probably a little frightening to watch because of the allure of what it was before that came before. Mm. The heretic probably was just a little bit more scary than it is now, because that was still not something that they, that pe people had seen, still. Well, again, though, before The Exorcist come out, yeah, when you see, like, a, a ghost film, it's like in a big manor house somewhere. Yeah, The Innocence uh, was the first film yeah, that and really... Made this psychological. is in the middle of a city. Yes, in an apartment. She, she's a her mom's a famous actress, so, so she's she's like famous. She's got money, and it's like all of a sudden you take away the boundaries of this happens in a in a in a in a field somewhere yeah. to weird baronesses or whatever it might be. This is happening in a ha in a house that should, is not haunted. Yeah, to yeah. a wealthy family who's successful, who's happy. In the middle of a city, and that's why and it this works. is happening, and that's exactly why it works. That's why yeah. it's and because why, all of a yeah, sudden yeah. now this could happen here. Yeah. If that can happen there, it can happen to me. It can happen yeah, anywhere. That's it. And the first film did a very brave thing. It, it focused personal, personally, straight away on the character of Reagan. It didn't didn't do anything else. I mean, it changed the environment of the room slightly, but there were no bright lights. There were no demons jumping out in you know. In, in, in from the corners no. nobody was actually I mean Karras was having a personal uh, crisis of himself of his own with the uh, crisis of faith, faith yeah, yeah. his mother dying and his mother kind of like appearing to him in kind of visions and, and, and uh, which which is basically as far as it took the scares for the whole film it didn't go outside of that box it kept everything straight it didn't do what Poltergeist did and started throwing all these effects in there was no real need for it and it did no. it was so it was purely about the characters yeah it's a character piece it, and that that's exactly what horror should be i think mm. i mean halloween is is a character piece as much as yeah absolutely but to me just with the first time when she levitates off the bed yeah it's such an incredible piece of cinema yes because it's so affecting but there's not a great deal happening just her floating off the bed now, mm -hmm. if if that was done now, they'd have to try and prove that she's floating by putting their hands underneath and do the whole uh, "Wow, there's no strings." But yeah, they just, yeah, they just let it happen. They you just let it happen, and it, you know you don't question it. Yeah, and you'd have some woman in the background going, "Oh my God, she's floating!" Oh, it's really? like, yeah, well, I can see she's floating. <laughs> you don't have to friggin' tell me. 
I can't believe it. My daughter is floating. But, oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my God, like, hello. And then the daughter like, would be photo- filming it on her phone. And that would be like, oh, I can't wait for my friends to see this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what would happen. She would, have, she would have been, like, talking to a mate. And then, all of a sudden, her face will glaze over her eyes. will go white. Then she'll just start floating. So you see everyone in the room watching her float, and you just see this like I I chat video of her floating like, uh, <laughs> like oh fuck off. But thank thank God that this. I mean, the thing about a lot of these seminal movies like Exorcist, it was made made at the right time, but by the right people. By the right people. Yeah, and that is why so many. I mean, if the Exorcist hadn't been made. We'd probably be talking about something completely different right now. That would that broke free. Yeah. That was not as important. That has basically been forgotten about. The Exorcist sparked off so many films about exorcisms, mm. and you know, like like it did with. Um, I mean, what was? We had a big exorcism film spree about ten years ago. We did like the exorcism of Emily Rose and all those kind of. But things. why did that start? Who? Was that just because of the exorcism of Emily Rose? I don't... Um, the, it, what usually happens is someone just... Oh, we've not had an exorcist film for a while, so they make one. Yeah. And then because that's successful, everyone makes one. I don't think there was any particular reason to do it. Unless, I'd say, it did coincide with an anniversary of the exorcist and can, oh, we'll jump on the bandwagon here and make a lot of exorcist films. That's it, yeah. So, I'll be honest, I love an exorcism film. I, there's something about them that I find really I think it's because of the, the effect that this film had on me when I yes but what I kind of find is that this movie set a, a very specific rule about what exorcism oh, should oh absolutely like. yeah, yeah, yeah. and unfortunately yeah. when I see it being done to death excuse the, the pun um, every single demon demon child has to be a sweet child a has virgin, to be a, or a virgin, virgin child or, yeah. or a pretty child or somebody you, you would not expect to have and you know, we wouldn't have the like the brat, um, the, the common brat or the the common jock. Well, imagine, thing... imagine a jock. I mean, a, a football. You know, really good at his game, football. It's all of a sudden having a possession. They wouldn't do that. Maybe they I, should. Well, I watched the film recently. Um, it's another. It's like a found footage one again. What's it called? Uh, the the. The, bla, the blah 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 of Mister Blah blah blah. It was, it was a catchy title. <laughs> and um, he had lost his wife and he was trying to make sense of why his wife was taken from him okay so he got hold of all these like occult texts so he's going to start reading them and look into them and do all these little weird black magical things yeah and he's filming himself do it as like a diary to see if anything happens to him or if there is such a thing as afterlife or his wife is just dead okay. and that's the reason behind it I think it was like Mark King or something like that but um, do you want to look it up no that's alright <laughs> but um, it was it was okay actually it was a little bit different and you can see him subtly start to change because he was filming himself all the time and then when he was asleep he'd do weird things and it was it was a a nice effort Just put Mark King exorcism I think Mark King might be a film reviewer you know <laughs> um, exorcist movie uh, well, has it got the X word exorcism in it? Exorcist. I, I don't think so. It's just that's a shame. Is it? <laughs> um, not the uh, the the dead within. No, possession uh, film. It doesn't really matter, does it? No, no, no. But it's kind of good to. Have. No. no, no, no. It's fine. Um, it sounds like something I want. Mike, there it is. The possession of Michael King. Possession of Michael King, and it's more of a, a documenting what could happen if you. It's like it's like um, it's like that that um, 
that documentary about Super Size Me, where the guy is is feeding himself on it's, food, yeah, and it's, it's similar like to that, seeing so. changing. But this is a you know put that in a, in a world of possession, and you can see that, that see that could be quite interesting. It's not yeah. the norm. Yeah, it was okay. It, it, at the end, it goes into like craziness. You know, like he's dangling from the from a ceiling, so somewhere, Pointless. and you know that kind of stuff. But it's yeah. still parts of it were quite scary. It was an effective film, so I enjoyed that. That was uh, that was all right, but. Yeah, you're right. The the Exorcist sent the benchmark, the formula yeah. of what it should but be. But still, to this day, they still stick to that formula, especially the ones that have come out recently. And they're all about, well, apart from the found footage element in it, where they, they every single person who was possessed must swear and curse and say foul stuff. Yeah, one thing though has been brought in is them contorting, being able to bend in unnatural ways. Oh yeah, that was never in the Exorcist. It was. She could uh, she could bend into a spider cloning down the stairs. That was a disjointing oh, of her. Uh, and, and well, I suppose anyone could do that. <laughs> I, I not going downstairs, but I can do backwards, that backwards though. Yeah, yeah, I can walk backwards doing that. Can you? Okay. Not probably not down the stairs, but that was only in the special edition. That was not in the theatrical release. No, it? it wasn't the theatrical release. So yeah, I can I can understand what you're saying. Is is that more so now that it's all about contortionism? Yeah, a lot yeah. more about that because they'll walk into a church and then she's bent over backwards and you know, and it's like that's what's supposed to be scary. The fact that this demon is breaking her body. You know what I mean? Exactly. You you might have that fascination, but I I tend to find that it's too too much of the same. And uh, I'd like to, I'd like to see an exorcism film that is completely original. Um, there was a film called Deliverers from Evil, which had Eric Banner in it. Oh yes, that was okay. I'm not sure. If it, yeah, I think there was possession in it, but it's kind of like a you get a sense of evil throughout the whole film. You know what I mean? That's, that was okay. That was That's a good nice. film. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah. Enjoyed it. But um yeah. No one's ever done it as well as the Exit which is strange, right? Because we're gonna talk about Exodus two, three, even we've got what's this one, The Beginning, is this Dominion? This one is Dominion. Right, even that, right? <laughs> yeah. Looks dated. Yeah. The Exorcist does not look dated. No, no, no. The Exorcist is still fresh and beautiful yeah, celluloid that, exactly. that pops every time you watch it's it. It's like two and three came out before one. Even this that's on now that was made in two thousand and five? Um ran about, yeah. Yeah. Looks it's, more dated than the original Exorcist stuff. And I think these were purely out because of the anniversary. You know, that, that someone was racing, I mean, uh, uh, to, to get one, at least one good Exorcist movie out, and they ended up neither were two, of them... were two bad Exorcists. <laughs> neither of them actually uh, succeeding. But yeah, the first one, it, the, the, that's the thing. I mean, people actually didn't look at the Exorcist and think, okay, I know that there's a natural progression to this story. Mm. Um, how can we make a sequel that, that still, we still get to have our cake and eat it, but nobody ever really thinks it through. Yeah. Because what happened with The Exorcist 2, which have we, have we talked enough about the first one? Probably not. There's, you can go on forever, though. That's the thing. You know, I want to talk about all the different aspects of the film. I, yeah, I think what we can so do. great. You know? Exactly. I mean, if, if, if you want to have an absolute in-depth uh, analysis of, of The Exorcist, Mark Kermode has a book out. He does, Mark right. Kermode is kind of like the... He's become the ambassador yeah, of, the of, of the advocate of The, the Exorcist. Of film. It's his favourite film. And he says that every time he watches it, he sees something new about it and I think that's more to do with the fact that every day your life changes so yeah. uh, whenever you're watching something again you see it differently because of what you've learned yeah from, absolutely uh, up, yeah. Up and from the last time you watched it because there's so many ways you can take it it could be like a, 
like a metaphor on going through puberty. Yeah, yeah. You know, to take into the huge level it is like, but yeah, absolutely. But the, the, see, let's talk about some of the like really the the, the scenes, the classic scenes, like the, bits that, yeah, well, the crucifix scene. The the, the where she masturbates with the crucifix. She, yeah, and she does that in front of everybody. Yeah, and mum walks in, and there you go. And mum walks in with a priest, and there she goes. She's doing it. And but that's the thing about let, this: let Jesus fuck you and all that. Reagan's uh, elevation to being completely psychotic is kind of like it goes in bumps. It's not like an easy ride up to to madness. She has a little. What am I on about? Not contorting. Her head turns around. Her head does turn Fucking around. Fucking Andy. What am I on about? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fine. Keep it in. Cause I like Keep being wrong. It's fine to be wrong. It's but, nothing wrong uh, with being wrong. Yeah. But uh, yeah, don't you admit that you were wrong? Yeah, I was. I was wrong as well because I didn't. Re I didn't mention the head contorting either. It, but that's the thing. It's we the talk about thing. the iconic scenes in it, and you think, yeah. oh god, Andrew, it turns around, doesn't it? That's the thing. Some of the people who left the cinema left the cinema because of the different bumps that mm. happened in the film, and it, and it is peaks. It's like it's not just um, I feel sick, I'm not feeling well, I'm I, I don't want to have my injection, so I'm going to swear and spit in your face. That was one bump. And then there's the urinating at the party scene. My idea of heaven is a solid white nightclub with me as the headliner for all eternity, and they love me. That is so creepy. That which is which yeah. is the creepiest because everybody's having a good time. The the, the level of, of enjoyment of the film we're kind of like we're in that house and it's filmed so well because it's as yes. if the crowd just parts a little bit and she's stood there next to the piano. Yeah, and they all look at her and quiet, and they're all still smiling. It's like Reagan, you're all right, honey. You're going to die up there. And then just urinate. Which what? is Which is a perfect combination. I mean, I, I'm, and I don't think it was Linda. I don't think they went to the point where oh, she not actually... No, it would have no. been, yeah. It has happened. I have actually, I think I have mentioned on a podcast before that I've seen Jane Horrocks in Macbeth as Lady Macbeth standing on stage. She uh, she drank loads of fluid, loads yeah, of fluid, saying, and yeah. she just stood there and she peed. There were no tubes, no nothing. It was just her getting into that role and really letting go, literally, as Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth is really the first the first story of possession. She was yeah. possessed. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that maybe that was drawn from that uh, idea, that she was that insane, that she just, you know, but, letting uh, go. Of, luckily, she didn't let, it, let go of her bowels, because that would have been... Icky. Yeah, but I think things like that, like, um, I was listening to an interview with Johnny Vegas, I know this is completely different now, No, but I think, like, Johnny Vegas is Johnny Vegas's character, that's what yeah. people don't understand, he's a character, I think it's Michael, I forget, Michael something is his real name, and he's not Johnny Vegas. You mean that is not his name? No, but people thing you know what I mean that this, this, this crazy guy on stage is just drinks beer so he, he turned up to a gig that he thought was going to be his next big break and um, this um, guy turns up to review him and it wasn't the person he thought it was going to be he's like oh what are you he goes oh I'm just here to review it he goes well are you a comedy he goes no no I usually do the pets I review the, the pets you know like do pet shows and things like that I don't know why I'm here and he was that disinterested he went out bought a lead took all his clothes off and he made one member of the audience hold the lead and he did the whole gig as a dog just because he was so pissed off with this and halfway through it he took a shit on the stage <laughs> oh my god that's so GG Allens yeah you know what I mean jeez just, and he said he didn't want one he had to really force it out but because he was so annoyed that this guy had come just to 
he's supposed to review pet shows and come to his comedy gig, which he thought was going to be a big break for him. He thought, right, I'll give you the gig you want. That's that is really quite an excessive thing to do, especially when you're. I mean, did everybody else enjoy the show? I don't know because that that could be, piss me off if I went to a comedy show to watch Johnny Vegas take a uh, dump bring, bring my wife. I said, like, you'll enjoy this. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Johnny Vegas at the time was this character that you did not know what yeah, he was going to do. Going now to do, he's yeah. trying to do gigs as himself and just be generally funny, which I think he is generally funny. He's a very yeah. clever, funny guy. Yeah. But Johnny Vegas was this crazy guy. He didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. And it's actually a different person in him. It's weird because we were talking about the possession thing. It's as if there's two characters in him. And if you let, he, with the way he talks yeah. about it, it's if you let Johnny Vegas out, he finds it hard to get claw him back and get himself back out there and he talks to himself like these two different people in there well well they say i mean actors are literally people who who suffer from multiple personality or schizophrenia you have to have a certain sense of that you have to be able to touch upon that mm. in order to do that properly you can't just be yourself you can't just bring yourself to anything like that and expect it to to work mm. you've got to have be in touch with that sense of 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 a loss of self and a, and, a, and a split personality and a lot of what you see in films I mean, people can't get away from their character that's why method actors they stay in their role they don't talk to the people that they're not supposed to talk to on the set they just literally just stay in that character it's because they probably can't get out get out of that skin if they get out of that skin they can't perform yeah well I think I said before with um, the guy who played with Nail with Nail, with Nail that was um Ding, 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 ding. That's not going to help. No. <laughs> um, with Nell and I, well, what, Richard, what the, I'm thinking of the player. Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant. Yeah, yeah Richard E. Grant was doing um, a film with... Paul McGann. <laughs> Paul McGann? Joe McGann? One of the McGann brothers? No, Richard E. Grant was doing a film with... Bruce oh, Willis. My Left Foot. <laughs> oh, Richard, David, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So, God, honestly... <laughs> So Richard Grant was doing the film and um, he got that to the makeup chair and there was a delay so they were having this really nice chat and he said, God, you know, I've got a friend here. I'm going to be friends with Daniel Day-Lewis and he was really chuffed and that. So the next day he comes in to the makeup chair he's like, hi guys, you alright? So I said, hi Daniel and Daniel just completely blanked him. He's like, oh, alright. And then afterwards, I think it was Michelle Pfeiffer who was in the film with him and he went up to Michelle and said, I think I've done something to upset Daniel because um, yesterday we had a really good laugh. First we day were, of shooting, yeah, probably. We really, yeah. really yeah. had a great day. But now um, he's just he's totally blank me. I don't know what I've done to upset him. He said, oh, no, it's not that. He says his character hates you, so now he hates you. Yeah. He's like, what? He says, that's it. And he never So the only time you again. can make friends with Daniel Day-Lewis is the first day of shooting before he Unless starts. you're friends with him in a film. Unless you're friends with him in a film. Um, so yeah, they will be blood. Must have been quite an interesting shoot because yeah, nobody liked him. <laughs> you didn't like him. <laughs> My God, yeah. yeah. But, but that's that's the whole reason why people want to work with him because mm. they want to kind of experience this this double life, this double personality. And I think, you know, but then a thirteen year old girl doesn't have that. So to get this kind of performance out, of they want to be a princess. They want to be things. They have this kind of. Well, that's they, what they, they have it. an imagination she's doing, yeah she's doing all this awful saying all these awful things and then after the finished cut just turned into a 13 year old girl and was just joking around and having yeah, fun with the because cast she, she uh, I think she's one of those rare children who was like Jodie Foster just in touch with their own personality and I think it has a lot to do with parenting so yeah so we've got the so after the crucifix scene that's where she sits up in it and the head spins around is yeah. it that point 
do you know what she did? Your yeah, you know, yes, your cunting daughter, yes. And yeah. then the egg goes, <laughs> and that, again, you talk about that because it goes slowly, slowly, and then it just turns quickly, doesn't it? The head twisting around. Yeah, actually, the crucifix scene. I think they are different events, aren't they? Yeah. The, 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 the first... head, that's when she attacks her mum. Yeah, her, her mum comes in and she says, and she pushes her to, to the ground and then the wardrobe pushes into her yeah i love that oh. it's hilarious it is but funny it, but you know what? it's funny but creepy but that's the thing humor and and fear are very close together there's well, something they, that that working together it, it's well, absolutely it more, when you're in serious trouble you're close to laughing because it's like a defense yeah. mechanism it is you know and um but the power to make you laugh and the power to make you scared are both extremes again that's what scares this, me with yeah. people watching this for the first time now it's a vulnerability. you've seen all the saw films and shit like that they're not they're just gonna laugh at it and say they're, oh she's masturbating with that wow cool i mean yeah because people don't seem to get into a film the do you want a film to just wash I, over them now the exorcist may exhibit brief glimpses of terror but it's pointlessly drawn out and often boring well, at least I thought so. I find it kind of tame. Of course, now that I've seen shit like a Serbian film and Human Centipede and stupid pieces of shit like Tusk, that doesn't help either. But yeah, I put this over those movies. I put the actresses over shit like Human Centipede and a Serbian film and Tusk because I think this is technically well made and I will give, I give credit to the cast. I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. There's one, there's one scene I wanted to just mention but it's the first time that Father Karras comes in and uh, there's talk about the Bible and the, the drawer opens yeah and it's, it's a vulgar display of power isn't it Karras? did you do did you do that and then it's like the first time he's actually seen yeah something like that happen so we're kind of because that's when he, he says did you do that <laughs> and he puts it do it again yeah that's it and then plume de la tante <laughs> which but because it's, it's all this sort of like we, she says it's the devil doesn't he yeah. say any tricks her with the because it's not holy water is it no 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 it's just there it's like it burns and he goes well if it was really the devil we would have known that wasn't holy water great 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 so good I want to watch it again though yeah I, I, I'm yeah it is exciting I love it yeah I, I, I would watch I would be watching it now in the background but I thought I'd put the really 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 bad film on yeah thanks but, man uh, <laughs> Just to kind of remember where, you know, to ground us in, in the fact that we know The Exorcist quite well. Mm. I mean, do you, do you know what Plume de la Tante is? It's Latin, isn't it? Yeah, the, the pen of your aunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which basically people assumed was the, the that was Plume was flower. Uh, the flower of your aunt was kind of, they, the assumption was, was that he was, that Karras was probably abused by his aunt. Right. Um, by having to go down on her so much so the flower of her aunt was supposed to be her, his aunt's vagina right, but that okay. was purely speculation and that was in that was just in a in a stupid uh, forum about the exorcist right but the, uh, and that's when I, I wrote a message saying actually it means the pen of my aunt and it has absolutely nothing to do with Karas being abused um, that's just your wild imagination mm. good luck with that <laughs> but you look far enough into something you'll see what you want to see exactly you know so, I mean, but... but it added a, it would have added another layer of course but mm. we don't it was an unnecessary layer but it was the fact that she could actually say that in Latin and who's to say that, that Reagan herself didn't actually know that 
from Latin, the pen of my aunt. Well, they probably would have had Latin classes at that age. Um, Cause that, probably I, by Because I know a plume dilettante, because it's in an Eddie Izzard stand-up. Yeah. Where he talks about when he used to work, learn Latin at school, and that was the first phrase he ever learned. So it was a common phrase to it, learn. It must be, unless he got that from The Exorcist. Well, that was there the whole that. point. Yeah, yeah maybe. Is who it, knows? But. Who knows? Because I never heard about it, and, and apart from the, the Exorcist, I've never. But uh, Eddie Izzard seems to be that kind of a person who, again, he speak every single language that there he, is, he, even dead languages. He would be if he was actually possessed by the devil. Nobody would know if it was him or if it was the devil. It, yeah, until he, he started good. talking backwards and he thinking, ah, that's good. Yes. <laughs> that's good. That's that. very good. You. Yeah, well done. Yeah, you've been watching <laughs> Twin Peaks, have you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, so round rabbit there. We got back to Twin Peaks. There's a lot of possession in that too. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So uh, pea soup. The pea soup scene came a little bit later when Marin did, yeah. when Marin came. I think it was was it Marin's Marin <laughs> Mark Marin. Mark Marin. He would be a great priest. Hollywood. Oh, do you know what? You could just go to fucking hell, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. he'd, be, he'd be swearing more than the than the, the girl. He'd be trying to get Boomer to come through. Come on, Boomer. Come back. Man. <laughs> There you go, Vancouver. <laughs> and his little thirteen-year-old girl. Do you know what your cat did before it died? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> How many girls did you sleep with, Marin? <laughs> oh, bless. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bill Hicks is not here today, <laughs> Mark. Uh, but yeah, um, pea soup. I mean, it, it really did uh, create quite a, an impression on people because every time you see pea soup obviously I always think of Exorcist yeah yeah it, I, I, I still eat it I don't mind eating it because I know that, that well yeah yeah it, came didn't, from, it, it didn't put me reading. off yeah, it didn't put me off soup like you know but <laughs> it, it's all because it's all happening to this 13 year old girl it's just such an alien thing to see and yes. experience and it's uh, that's it it is horrifying what she goes through is horrifying. And, there, yeah. the um, the words "help me" also pushes through, and that's before the priests even get there. That's the that's when the the maid is it the maid. The maid had seen it, yeah. Yeah, the mum's come up and say, "Look at this." Yeah, which freaks me out because when they actually go to her, they get close up and she's asleep, and I'm, you're expecting a scare. Yeah, and you yeah. don't get it. You don't get it because that's that's great filmmaking. Yeah, if that was done today, she would have woken up. Yeah, and then there would have been this big massive ah. thing where they've got to tie her to the bed and whatnot. Yeah, they would Because the reason they tie her to the bed is because she's harming herself. Yeah. That's what they have to do, not because she... Well, she does attack. And they do a really good job. I mean, that is the best bit of bound... Uh, a bit of bed wrapping I've ever seen. I tell you what. Because they now... They can wrap my gift, gifts for a Christmas. Yeah, well, in, now they'll be day. chained up with, like, fucking wires and stuff that turns into the flesh. But they were trying not to hurt her. <laughs> so it was like bed clothes. You know what I mean? It's... Oh. These days, they just put them in a gimp, in gimp costume, and yeah, and then fruit in their mouth, and yeah. and um, yeah. I don't mean to sound so bitch about modern films. There are some good. No, ones uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean to either. But you know, it, that, that, the I think the, the the thing is is that we we don't know when the next Exorcist movie is going to. What I mean is the next experience that's going to blow us away. I mean, I mm. think I think it's very. I think we've we've seen so much now that it's very hard for us to kind of feel that's why we always go back to our classics that's why I love more kids today to actually watch some of the old stuff first before they get too much into what they're watching yeah. now because then they're really they're missing an education 
And uh, unfortunately, they don't want. They, they'll probably be laughing at us right now, saying, <laughs> "This isn't school. I want to watch a movie and be scared." <laughs> Since I like the last time I went out with my boyfriend, he put his penis in his popcorn. Um, so, well, that's it. They yeah. want to be scared, and then the moment you walk out of that theater, you don't think about it anymore, and you go and do this. But yeah. with a film like this, you walk Under out of that theater, and you're like, "Oh God." Like, Starry Eyes got under my skin. Yeah, and but I don't think kids today would ever look at Starry Eyes on the poster board and say, let's go watch that. That looks good. Yeah. That's going to freak me out. They want to see the evil uh, within. They want to see the, the death pictures. They want to see the possession pictures. They want to see the scary movie pictures and the Saw movies because they visually have it right there on the poster. Mm. You, Damon Wayne says, you will, be, you will cack yourself. I like Damon Wayne. Yeah. They, don't, they need to have, they need to be told what's scary first before they actually decide that something is actually going to be scary yeah. they need to be told beforehand and so, it, it seems to be theatres uh, also do with trailers today a lot of them are showing reaction shots of people in cinemas being scared yeah that's all they want they don't have uh, when the blur works the first people to do that I'm pretty sure it was the reaction shots yeah I think they I were I think it was yeah. they were they, they set a trend but, but yeah. one thing that at the end you know where Karis uh, loses it yes where um, isn't Reagan talking about his mum I think it, again uh, he, who, he, he comes through as his mum because he sees his mum at one point in the film yeah, right? yeah. on the bed and uh, I know he just loses it and he just starts punching Reagan in the face yes no one ever talks about that she's a 13 year old girl and he fucking level and you know because of seeing backstories of him he's a boxer he practices but he yeah. boxes so he's probably really I mean that's that, that's why I don't get how Reagan isn't this beaten faced boxing split nose yeah. girl in the sequel her. yeah boom boom beats the shit out of her and then he's like take me take me and then it yeah, and then Reagan sort of pulls the cross off it, off him, doesn't he? And yes. then it just goes into him. Why would it do that? Yeah, it wouldn't make any sense because it wouldn't be able to reach for the cross. Well, not even that, but why? We are, it, I don't know. Like, like, but, the cross is supposed to be this sacred thing. Yeah, yeah, can't, yeah, they can't but, touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why would it go into a priest? Unless it's that cocky to say I can possess a priest. Who knows? Well, why didn't it do it earlier if it, if it needed to do that anyway? Yeah. I think, it, I think it saw the opportunity. The window was open. I'm going to kill the priest. Um, I'm going to make it look like an accident because I yeah. am that calculating. But it, there was no reason. I think unless the, the the demon felt like it was losing the battle, yeah. it needed to just have one last, you know. Yeah. So it goes into him, and then he's out the window. But to be honest, it was only it, the only reason why that happened was because they wanted to have him die, and they wanted the girl to be saved. Yeah. yeah. By him. It's the redemption. It's still a great yeah. ending. I, yeah, yeah. No, I just it, I, it's the only thing that pinches you a little a bit. A little bit, but it's, it's yeah. a very minor thing. And um, one thing that always sort of freaked me out was at the very end um, when they're about to get in the car and go away and saying like, "How is she?" So well, she doesn't remember anything. Mm. You know, we just want to get away and forget about. Yeah, it, she's it? got a bit of a bruised. Yeah, she's got a bit of a bruised face from Keris <laughs> beating the shit out of her. <laughs> well, with the plastic surgery reconstruction. But yeah. you know where Reagan sort of looks at the collar of the priest yes and then just runs over and kisses him it always freaked me out that bit I don't know why I don't know because it was always some to me it was ambiguous it was either kind of like thank you for saving me I don't know why but thank you or it was a kind of like kiss I'm to say I'm still in here I'm still in here I'm gonna um, yeah I'm still Which... here and I will come out at some point you know what I mean That's yeah. that, it was like to me 
I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but I no, always no, no, felt no. a bit, I mean, bit that's weird That's the whole that point. Bit. That's the whole point of that scene. I mean, it is an ambiguous ending, and that's a beautiful way of putting it, to say that, you know, it, it could either be a thank you or it could be a warning. Yeah. Um, and then? Which didn't play until then, until the end. But no, that, it does. It yeah, does. When, oh, yeah. When, when the priest is driving to the house. That's the yeah. only time that and yeah. it works. It does work, yeah. Tingle, backbone. Yeah, the, the Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield is is it's an iconic tune. It's very difficult to play. It is because <laughs> it has different time signatures. You have dancing different time signatures. I've had a go. Right I've had a go, but you can't. You can only do one thing at yeah. a time. And I, and I think I, I got it down. I can do, I can do Tubular Bells two better because I, I had my in my head. I thought Tubular Bells two was Tubular Bells in reverse. Right. As a kid, I thought that that because Tubular Bells sounded so odd. And Two of the Bells 2 sounded so natural and flowing mm. that the one was just reverse flipped. Um, and because you can get those songs that if you reverse it, it sounds exactly the same but a little bit distorted. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what there's a word for it when you can do that. When you can. Um, it's not a palindrome. Something, something to do with it's a music. If you play it in reverse, it's exactly the same. Bear McCreary did it for uh, Da Vinci Da Vinci Demons the theme tune if you play it backwards it's exactly the same alright it's clever very clever wow and I don't know how he does it but he's that he's a freaking genius that bear right. he's possessed <laughs> but yeah Tiddler Bells I mean I, I love Mike Oldfield's music I and mean, yeah. very rarely is it used in films and um, well thankfully so because you know it, it, he's kind of kept himself away from it and he did that Moonlight like, Shadow didn't he yeah, that was my dad's favorite um, album. By the way, we went traveling across France, and he played. He, you know, he's a big fan of uh, Michael Field, and Michael Field is this this very recluse, very quiet, very timid musician. Yeah, he's a multi instrumentalist. He can play many, many instruments. He could literally just create his own. I mean, if you if you talk about Brian Wilson being that person who can see everything, um, he, Michael Field is very similar, but he has to see it visually. He has to visualize everything. He uses like colored paper to mm. basically mark out every single I- instrument and, and how it works and how for how long. Um, it's but it's just different. a great piece of music, yeah. Tubular Bells. Isn't it's it? great. And then that le- led us a few years after to um, Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Yeah, because after after we were throwing oh, and, and the one thing to add about the uh, the cinema release in LA about all this experience of everybody passing out, there is a documentary about it. I'm Harry Francis, manager of the National Theatre here in Westwood. I've been in this business 40 years now, and I have never gone through anything like this. It's exciting. Public love it. Had crowds that you can't believe. We've hired 20 security guards to control the crowds. We're getting uh, young people, old people, you name it, we get anyone. Last week, in the rain, they stood as it was a sun today. Uh, Mr. Freakin and Mr. Blatty felt sorry for the people. They hired uh, caterers. They give out 3,000 cups of coffee each night, a total of 6,000. The public thought it was great. And they paid for coffee to be taken out and given to everybody in the line waiting in line for the exorcist it's amazing see the devil's not such a bad guy I mean true that I mean that, that, that these guys really cared about about how things were going and they loved the fact that this was happening yeah. and it was astonishing people didn't people had never done this before 
So the exorcist was that strong an influence on people that all across the world. I mean, there wasn't the internet that then either. So people only heard about it in the newspaper or on the radio. Um, there might have been a TV spot that they were alluded to, but I doubt that many TV stations would have actually played it because of the religious connotations. I mean, people in the South probably wouldn't have even had a chance to see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they came in their droves. They traveled to the, the it was only a selected cinema release as well to begin with it really didn't take on and people were just passing out all over the place it was great what a great time to be alive every year it seems a film is released with um, scenes in it so disgusting or so disturbing that controversy is stirred up over whether it should be shown or not a strong contender for the title this year is this film the exorcist which was released yesterday in london but the controversy centers not on what the film has to say about possession by devils because it doesn't actually have very much to say about that but about the series of rather vile manifestations by the devil through the girl, who vomits, who shouts obscenities in a deep bass voice. Did anybody walk out of the film because they couldn't stand it? What? Yes, can you explain why? <laughs> yeah, I found the visual impact of it so very sickening that I, was, I, I thought I possibly might be sick. I suppose I'm quite squeamish anyway. They did a simple tracheotomy, which was quite bad for me anyway, and I just felt that I can't go on watching more of the visual impact when it's presented in... Fantastic, glorious Technicolor zooming right in on me. I felt very faint, you know, when I was watching it. And if I would have stayed about another five minutes, I would have been sick. What about those of you with stronger stomachs down here who stayed the course? What, what do you feel about it? Did you think it was a, a shocking film, anyone? Did you, did you see it? No, I don't think so. It was, a, it was a good movie. It's just what you expected. I mean, you read so much about it, so you prepared for this thing. So you experienced no shock at all? Uh, well, those two scenes of revulsion, that was about all. But the rest you could accept. Do you think it's, it's a damaging film to be shown? Or do you think no, it's I don't think so. I don't think it does any harm at all. No. Anybody else? What do you think? I felt really sick. I just stayed, I just stayed through bravado more than anything. I didn't, I, didn't want it, I didn't want anyone pointing to me and saying, look at him walking out, you know. How, how much of the film was your eye, were your eyes closed? Quite a bit. <laughs> the first, I lasted the first 20 minutes, and uh, I thought, well, if I've lasted this long, I must, I must go on with it, you know. But I felt really bad. Did you, did you believe in it? Yes. I mean, you believe in possession? Yes. Now, some, somebody else, yes, what do you think? But really, you have to admit that it's exactly what you could expect for a Bill Friedkin film, extremely tightly cut, and the visual impact is magnified simply by the technique of the cutting room floor. But was it horrifying to you? Oh, no. I, even during the filming at Georgetown University, we more or less laughed our way through it. And well, you were actually there when it was made, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A good many of the people at Georgetown University actually took part in it, as I and several other people did. But really, it... Uh, definitely contradicted Bill Friedkin's previous image of But why do you think in the States it's had this, uh, this extraordinary reaction? Uh, this country seems to have treated it very stoically so far. <laughs> well, there was a high level of expectations from Bill Friedkin's last film, The French Connection, and everyone expected a very tight, gripping film. And, of course, he had to maintain that tight, gripping image, and yet, again, the plot was rather weak, and, of course, to get the image that he wanted, he had to sort of step a little lower yeah. than people wanted. Were people camping out to watch Exorcist 2, The Heretic? Now, that's an interesting story. <laughs> no. Um, a different story. I just want to reiterate the point that all the previous Exorcist films look older than the first Exorcist film. I just want to reiterate that. Well, Apart from the clothing, it's 
Now, you'd think that with The Exorcist, I mean, back in these days, people didn't really have much of an, a, a notion of what sequels were and how they would work. Uh, Freakin, of course, did um, The French Connection 1 and 2, yeah. pretty much back to back. So that was kind of like the first thing in cinema, really, to, to do that. But he didn't want to touch number two. No. Of The Exorcist. Uh, I think, and, and, and to be honest, The Exorcist, the first film, was quite a, an intense experience. And I can imagine revisiting that would be quite difficult. Yeah. Um, but, of course, Reagan has come of age. She, yeah, that, right, that's what I said to you earlier. <laughs> this is the reason. The only thing I got from Exorcist 2 is, like, she's very attractive. Yes, She's a she's an attractive Old, older Reagan. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, um, the producers of The Exorcist Two went to go and watch uh, the The Exorcist Two uh, premiere, and um, the funnily enough, Freakin and, and Bloody didn't want to go and watch it. They just didn't want to know. And now I'm going to tell you the story of the first screening of Exorcist Two, the sneak preview in Pasadena. This was Exorcist Two. And it was told to me by an executive of Warner Brothers because this, the executive said, oh, you got to come out to, to see the sneak preview. It's really terrific. And uh, you're going to love it. You're a grandfather. You should be proud. And I said, no, I think I'll miss it. And then afterwards, he told me the story. These Warner Brothers executives drove out to Pasadena in their big, limousines and uh, they were all dressed up and they went into the theater which was packed turn away crowds and they went and sat in the last row and about 10 minutes into the film now before they went into the theater they told their um, limo drivers look we're gonna be in there for like two hours and 20 minutes so or maybe more you guys go on down the end of the block there were some fast food joints they went down to get a cup of coffee whatever so the limos are gone the executives go into the last row 10 minutes into the picture a guy stood up in the audience he stood up and he looked around and he said the people who made this piece of shit are in this room <laughs> And, and somebody else said, where? Where are they? <laughs> Ten or twelve people get up, and he says, they're all back there. Now, these guys got up. The heads of the studio, they got up. They ran out of the theater. They get outside. No cars. The cars are all down at McDonald's and all that. And they were chased down the street. That was... That was the first public reaction to Exorcist 2. They hated The Exorcist 2 Rightly so. that much. Rightly so. It's dreadful. I think I have to pull up my text. Oh. I can't find it. No, 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 it's not my text. This is this is my uh, my essay. Oh, another famous essay. Ding, ding, Jesus. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first of all, I was writing about The Exorcist last night and I just ran out, I fell asleep. <laughs> I wrote, in 1998, an original ex-rental copy was given to me. I worked in a... <laughs> so, yeah. Right, The Exorcist um, 2, The Heretic. Um, heretic? Why do you keep saying heretic? You say heretic, I say heretic. No. No, <laughs> that's I how heretic. I say it. You say... 
Heretic. Heretic. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> Four years ago, the exorcist shocked the world. Now, the struggle between good and evil goes on. Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Richard Burton, Louise Fletcher, Max Vincito, James Earl Jones, Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Okay. So go on, Exorcist 2. Okay, so the story of Heretic is that she's, uh, she's grown up and then she's, she's been going through psychiatric care. Yeah. And they've come up with this new idea that, uh, well, first of all, it's been about five years um, so Richard Burton, this priest, played by Richard Burton, has been yeah. sent by the Vatican to, to investigate what really happened to Father Karras. <sighs> Shoehorn. It was horrible. Utterly horrible. And fascinating. Uh, for no reason. Yeah. Because it's like five years... Oh, yeah, remember that? Do you know what? I've had a stack of stuff that we forgot... <laughs> We've got, we're, At the we're, bottom of this pile, uh, that Keris fella. Yeah, you you go to DC and you go and find out what what what's going on, and it just so happens that as he gets there, that they're starting this new hypnosis uh, thing. Yeah. And coincidence, everybody is coming together, and um, the, the mother is not there, so they they have Louise Fletcher in there instead. Yeah, um, who kind of looks like the mother, and she's doing dances, isn't she? She, oh yeah, Reagan's dancing, yeah. and uh, she's still being looked after. The maid who was in the original film who is there purely for the fact that she got paid because she was in the first film. Yeah. Um, shoehorn. Um, yeah, so... Uh, but it's one of those weird things is that um, that Louise Fletcher is there to just be a motherly figure. Uh, the, the family nanny's there. Look, I'm just wasting your time. Why do you say that? Well, you know why I come here. Well, you tell me. To make my mom feel better. Explain that, would you? She feels guilty. Why? Divorce, her career, away all the time. Reagan, why don't you tell me the truth? Don't you trust me? But I do. I do. But you keep telling me you don't remember about that time in Washington. I don't know if I believe you. I remember being very sick and having nightmares, and that's all. Those bad dreams are still inside you. There's nothing wrong with me. But, yeah, it's it's just one of those weird things where they just didn't do anything with the exorcism. They just basically just revisited it for the sake of seeing Linda Blair, yeah. who, uh, at this stage of her life, is is, is making people feel, making men feel a little bit comfortable. In yeah, making men's pants shrink. Um, so Linda Blair is basically now, yeah, just a sex figure. In yeah, but, but like I was saying to you before, the title The Heretic conjures up Antichrist, yes. witches... Utterly horrible. Yeah, there's no. Where, 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 where. But but there is, but they're not really talked about. It's it's the Father Marin flashbacks that is, which is the only exorcism in the entire movie. Father Lancaster Merrin died in Georgetown near Washington D.C. while attempting to exorcise a twelve-year-old child, Reagan McNeil. The name of the spirit that possessed her was Pazuzu, an Assyrian demon traditionally known as the king of the evil spirits of the air. 
Father Merin had first encountered this demon in Ethiopia 40 years earlier, when it possessed a young African boy. Father Merin believed the human spirit was on the threshold of a great leap forward, either into goodness or evil. His teachings inspired many disciples, of which I was one, and his death dispirited us deeply. So it was that four years later, I climbed a hill in South America with a heavy heart, for it had fallen to me to carry on Father Merrin's struggle. I, I thought the flashbacks with, with Father Merrin as a younger man which was basically played by um, uh, the same guy, Sindal, um, uh, without makeup. Oh, without, without yeah. Because he, yeah. he was a normal age then, yeah. the normal age, the, the, the yeah, age yeah, that he yeah, was. Yeah. And, but the African uh, sequence, I mean, the possession of that African child was, was eerie. It was, that but, was really good. Mm. But they didn't do anything with it. It was a flashback, so you didn't really care about it happening. And the fact that there were people were falling off the rocks and there was that narrow rock face. Yeah. Um, you know, that that was interesting, but nothing really was done about it. Merrin defeated you. No. In his own place of power he gained a little time. Satan has sent Bazuzu to destroy this goodness. Philip, you must take my place. She is precious, and I entrust her to you. It was like they had an idea, but they just didn't have a story for it, so they just shot some footage and hoped that it would just insert somewhere into this failure of a story. Get the heads! She's mine! Always. No! Always. Father, please bring her back. Father, can you hear me? Father, please bring her back. Um. But yeah, so let's talk about the ending. Oh. Because there's really nothing to talk about up until the ending. Of course, you said about um, about uh, Richard Burton talking to the camera. Yeah, uh, I just remember one point. Cause, right, I was watching it recently. I'd seen it years ago, and I'm watching it again. And I'm trying to be invested in it. And I just came to... When I'm watching a film, my phone would light up. And whatever, what might be on my phone is definitely more interesting than what's going on on the TV. Yes. And I looked up, and Richard was saying something, but directly into the camera. It was horrible. Utterly horrible. And fascinating. Yeah. And I was like, what? He was drunk. <laughs> yeah, he probably was. Wasn't he was he? probably drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, it was just, it was odd. It was odd and very, I'm like, is he talking to the audience? Are we breaking the, the wall here or what? And um, it was just badly, it's a bad made film. It's not. Yeah, so, so the ending. So the well. ending, like, they basically end up going to the house again. Uh, I don't even know the reason because Azuzu is there and they, they, they go in there and there's a swarm. First of all, there's a big swarm of yeah. things. Uh, the uh, the, Louise Fletcher is driving really fast with with somebody in the car, and uh, they end up crashing into the barriers of the of the house. Um, really, you know, so she's mangled out. Um, the nanny steps out, and um, because of the whole possession thing, she suddenly is possessed. It's like all of a sudden, 
she's always been possessed this whole time and it's kind of like along came the spider like when Monica Potter yeah. this beautiful blonde who is acting normal the whole through move all the way through the movie and all of a sudden as soon as she confesses she changes her entire that's physical good, uh, that's like, a good comparison. I'm an evil bitch now I'm Kaiser Soze yeah and, and there's no there's no there's no there's no reason for that change other than to have a, a, a twist yeah, and God bless Monica Potter. She's an amazing actress, and she she they should have done better with that. But the, again, with the nanny, she decides that uh, she's going to um, catch fire uh, on the on the fumes of the fire, and it's not as if she just walks on it and everybody's like, oh, "No, don't do it." It's like, well, why? She's not exactly made of sulfur, is she? Oh, apparently she is. Whoosh. <laughs> Um, so everybody's thinking that she's going to burst into flames when she actually does end up bursting into flames um, in front of, uh, of nobody there's a whole urban street of, of, of nothingness happening mm. here even though this is a big urban street and if you hear a car go crashing through some barriers just over the road you come out and have a look you come out and have a look yeah. but Johnny Carson must have been really killing that night he must have been having <laughs> such a good like, don't worry, uh, darling, darling. There's some. Somebody just crashed into that that weird house again. Shut up, Carson's on. Carson's. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm gonna be watching them. Then there's this lady. She's just caught fire. She's spontaneously combusted and she's burning. Get in that kitchen and make me a sandwich. So then the house is possessed and the house starts cracking and and then Reagan starts to do her Reagan thing again and then then uh, then the house just completely decimates into rubble in front of our very eyes and then as soon as everything's over now we are saved and made strong an enemy of the human race is subdued Reagan I'm sorry I understand now the world won't not yet you have to go take care of her the very last sequence now I watched it with my wife and she she would never watch The Exorcist it's too scary she yeah she hates horror films she can't watch horror films but she could watch this yeah and she found it hilarious because nothing scary was going on it was purely comedy because nothing real was really happening nothing interesting was happening that would put you into the genre of horror nothing horrific was going on it was the house was was, was exploding and falling apart on, uh, around them then they're all kind of fine at the end of course and they're all just standing there surrounded by rubble then you hear the distant sounds of police coming down and that's when you have like a, a whole bunch of, of zombies just coming out to watch fireworks yeah they all the neighbors suddenly sort of just pour out like very slow walking towards an event as if it was like the uh, it was i don't know i haven't I, i'm trying to think of what it reminds me of what if then like cocoon. It was just a coincidence that that had all happened at the point of a zombie apocalypse. So as the credits roll, Linda Blair gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, well, that would have been a lot better. And if she yeah. actually was the reason for the apocalypse, that would have been even better. So but, then, yeah, okay, so, so it's not good. Nothing it's not happens. Good. It's not good. Yeah, that's it. And then we've got the Exodus 3. Well, the, the thing is, Exodus 2 was so bad that nobody touched it until 1990. But they didn't touch the Exodus story as much. Well, they did because, again, they've got a detective. Shoehorn. 
who shoehorns Father Karras' story. Yeah. We want to know what really happened to Father Karras. This again. time, this time, <laughs> this file again. Oh my gosh, we need to send somebody over. The last time it was the Vatican who found this file, but now it's the police. It's like, oh, I found a file about this guy. Yeah, this is this is well, we, we forget. Did you watch that film? We forget film? that The Exorcist Two exists, though. There's nothing about The Exorcist Two in this. <laughs> from your father. The boy had been crucified. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. The killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. So he's a, it's he's a better a, film than the second one. It is a much better film. I, I kind of liked it and I enjoy watching it because it is, even though there aren't any exorcisms in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there is because Karis is this this killer, this Gemini killer. Yeah. And the Gemini killer is, uh, I bet it's right, it's not the Zodiac, is it? But it's kind no, of, it's, it's almost it's, like that. Isn't yeah. It? Think... But uh, played by Brad Dorf. Who is great? Who is? I like Brad Dog. I this Brad guy Dog. is a really good character actor. In this body, in particular, in fact, ooh, let's call it revenge. A certain matter of an exorcism, I think, in which your friend Father Karras expels certain parties from the body of a child. Certain parties were not pleased, to say the least. To say the very least. And so my friend, the master, devised this pretty little scheme as a way of getting back, of creating a stumbling block, a scandal, a horror to the eyes of all men who seek faith using the body of this saintly priest as an instrument of you know my work but the main thing is the torment of your friend father Karras as he watches while I rip and cut and mutilate the innocent his friends and again and again and on and on he is inside with us he will never get away his pain won't end! Oh, gracious me. Was I raving? Please forgive me. I'm mad. The only my only criticism of him is that he seems to play the same character no matter what he does, whether he's in Star Trek, 
playing a, a, an evil guy or is well, that was it when we were doing the Lord of the Rings we were like we need someone to play this guy this really evil guy I know Brad Dwarf <laughs> Brad Dwarf to do it Brad, Brad Dwarf <laughs> no, but yeah I mean uh, so Bad those Dwarf things, Bad Dwarf I mean that, that was interesting it was quite interesting because what they did was that that um the uh, the detective was friends with Karis. Yeah. He knew Karis, and he was he sees Karis in this Gemini killer. He thinks it's him because he's coming. He's manifesting himself as Karis, which is of course a shoehorn. They wanted to get the act to come, to come back, and he did mm. a very good job. To be honest, the, the the his possession and and coming across as Karis was kind of interesting. Yeah, but it, 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 still, it's, it wasn't the guy playing the detective. Joyce like, Scott. It looked yeah. like he was a week from death. Yes, he, he was. He was ill all the way through it. He was acting, my dear. <laughs> he was acting. He was acting his heart out, literally. Um, but there, there, there's some. Okay, the, the good moments in this film. Corridor. Is, is, it's the corridor scene, which I think was the, one of the best setups of a horror scare that I've actually seen. The setup was longer than the actual scare, and the scare just cut short of a, a close-up. It is really good. And um, I here the three. It, it, it is the ear, ear of the free moment, um, definitely. And what we mean by that is we have this theory that a good chunk scare comes on an offbeat, so it wouldn't be like one, two, three, four. Yes. It'd be one, two, three, five. And you go, oh shit, I wasn't expecting that. Exactly, and it, and and it, it chimes in perfectly, but you don't see any blood, there's no gruesomeness, there's nothing to say. Um, there's a whole nice scene, actually, where they're discussing about this clamp that, that, that you know, apparently... It was supposed to be a nurse. They were blaming it, trying to blame it on a nurse that she actually used this metal thing to chop somebody's head off. And so you have to really pull it in order to kind of because it clamps shut on a spring. And that, that, I thought that was kind of interesting because they were both kind of like trying to hold it and trying to see if it. Well, I don't know if it could. And they were kind of like some were kind of thinking, yeah, of course. And others were thinking, well, it's very stiff. Mm. So it was, it was interesting to see them playing with that because yeah, later yeah. on, this 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 nurse who is actually a patient, I think, from from the hospital, who leaves it and goes to the house. She makes a phone call to the, to the wife, pretending to be him, and she goes to the house. And uh, she's basically in the house, and in her bag, she's got this big metal freaking clamp thing. And she's uh, going to go after the detective's wife, and he luckily gets a call to say that there's this, there's a weird woman at the house. You know, what were you doing about this nurse? So he pedally drives it really really fast to get to the house to save them and they kind of just stop her from, from killing them in, in, in their house in cold blood and, and you know that was, scene was good it was tense mm. it was it was kind of like the French Connection so those kind of linking in with, mm. with the directing styles of Fred Kane in the, in the past and so there's a lot of good things about that film the only thing is is it didn't need to be called The Exorcist yeah. it could have just been called The Legion and it would have been a film that nobody would have watched but because of it it was The Exorcist 3 yeah. you, you go and see it and I think it was a brave choice to do a film that was completely separate and different but at the same time like you say it's still not still not up there no no I, I yeah. tried to watch it I was bored yeah a I little bit bored yeah I was waiting for the corridor scene that was it <laughs> maybe that's it maybe that's the only thing that's good but at least I mean, it's, it's one know, scene um, better than the uh, heretic. God, yeah. Okay, so we've got a few minutes left to squeeze in. We got, I think, ten minutes is plenty of time to talk about the prequels. The prequels. Now, the story was is that um, <laughs> Schrader want, was was being signed up to do the uh, the prequel to the, the, basically the Marin and Africa story. Yeah. 
which is Fisher to call it Marin Africa Marin 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 is it Marin Father Marin 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 in Africa it's too bloody hot here man where's the air conditioning no my air conditioning is busted damn it Boomer lives. God damn it. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> so Stellan Skarsgård is is cast and uh, in both films. In both, uh, well, this is before the, there's two films. Yeah, there's yeah. one film Paul Schrader was going to direct, and it was it was they they had so many different conflicts and and how they wanted to make the film based on the f- footage from William H. Batty's book, the whatever, the Dominion, and that um, that they Schrader walked away from the project. He said, I'm going to make my own version of this movie. And um, whoever directed the other one, the beginning, was going to make his version of the movie. And But the thing is, Stan Skarsgård was, was already cast and contracted to do one movie. Paul Schrader said, you've still got to do mine. And so he ended up playing the same part in something of a contest yeah. of, of prequels. The Exorcist prequels were actually made by two different directors with the same actor virtually around about the same time yeah. and telling the same story um, alluding back to his time of back in Nazi Germany when he watched a whole crowd of people getting massacred by Nazis which kept on flashing back every so often in the yeah. story both of them used that as a device and it's in Africa and um, nothing else really happens no he, he walks around a lot he does a yeah, lot of walking he does a lot of walk around there's, um, well, there's an African tribe on right now yeah, good makeup, um, but nothing. Yeah, nothing happens. It's yeah, it's boring. And, and that's Both the of thing. Them. It is. It is pretty boring. But they're they're trying to be visually f- clever, making a. Vi- I mean, visually, I mean, it's probably quite a striking film if something interesting was actually well, happening. But then, so is it water. Just, just had that scene when they come up to that guy and he's like, he's he's sort of in a sort of a sort of biblical cross sort of twisted way against the tree and he's got yeah, all the got arrows in arrow it from, yeah, yeah. and the blood looks fake yeah. it, even this that was done in 2005-ish looks more dated than yeah. a film done in 72 yeah I mean if you actually just turn this into a black and white film you would be forgiven to thinking that it was actually shot yeah. in the 50s because the, the, the quality of the drama and the hook the excitement of it is virtually non-existent. It's kind of like a see that's borrowed out the omen. Having like I know it's like a hyena. Yeah. They're wild, wild dogs in, yeah. in and um, that's, yeah, we had that in the omen. Better yeah. done, better in the omen. Much better. And um, yeah, these plastic uh, caves that look really artificial. And um, Stellan Skarsgård. I mean, I feel sorry for the guy because he could have been the best Marin. Marin. <laughs> he wouldn't have been a good Marin. He's a good Marin. <laughs> I kind of feel sorry because I think he he must have felt very confused about what he was supposed to be doing with these two movies which one was supposed Look to be that one there's like a rock that looks like a yeah this, it, it, they shot this in Disney's um, you know a Disney set artificial lighting it didn't look very good is there an actor though that he's as good as him from being in, a, in extreme art house films and being in huge blockbuster films yeah he was good in Good Will Hunting and then he's really good in anything by Lars von Trier yeah because he's in like uh, Melancholia yeah he's in was he in Melancholia he might be no. he was in um, um, what was wrong with my brain today <laughs> the addicted to sex one. Oh, the necrophilia mm. in the ne- no necrophilia <laughs> 
Yeah. The... <laughs> Sorry, addicted to dead sex. <laughs> ah. um, nymph- nymphomania. Nymphomaniac. That's it. He's in that. Yeah. He's in that. He's great in that. So he does films like that, and obviously he's in the Avengers and things like that. Yeah, he's he's one of those people. Who did, he he does one for the studio, one for himself. But unfortunately, he did two. <laughs> for, he did two for nobody here. Yeah, it, 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 one for the studio, one for Lars. Nobody, here. nobody wanted to have these prequels. Um, it, shooting them in Africa. See, that, it, look, it, it, it is artificial as hell. Yeah, um, and no, they, these prequels were not interesting. They weren't adding to the to the series. They weren't doing. They weren't saying anything new. They weren't doing anything new. It was. Yeah, I, I I've seen scarier episodes of In the Night Garden, to be honest. I yes, and that's actually true. To be honest, no wonder kids are hitting the booze. If I had to watch this, I'd be on twenty pints a day. Maka paka, aka waka, mika maka woo. Maka paka, apa yaka, ika aka oo. Hum dum, aka pang, ing ang oo. Maka paka, aka waka, mika maka moo. There's a condom talking weird! There's, there's elements of In the Night Garden that are absolutely terrifying. I, we're sitting there watching In the Night Garden and we, we're like, what the heck is that? What, what's going on? Did we have that experience watching this? Never. No. Never have we actually sat there being when, shocked. The narration, right? When, oh no, it's the Ninky Nunk. What do you mean, oh no? What's it done? What's it going to do? For <laughs> Christ's sake, tell me! Please. Which door is going to open? Which one's going to be Why in are they all looking room? at me like that? <laughs> Why are the tom- Tommy those drinking the other yeah. person's drink? Oh. When I close my eyes, I can still see them. What are the harboos? Why are they big fluffy <laughs> things? What are they? And why? Um, why is why? Why do we always see the Ponty Pimes and never the Wattingers? <laughs> why? Why? Um, oh, but yeah, you know, I mean, at least got a line eating something next we, to the Northern Lights now. That's, yeah, which is nothing. And there's oh, someone's got a fan on, and she her looks, eyes are open very wide. Yes. Mean she's possessed. Yeah, she's got be. a knife. And yeah, it's basically the most overproduced schluck uh, ever made. Yeah, guy shaking in a tent. It's probably just masturbating. Artificial light. I mean, how artificial is the lighting of it? I mean, it's like it's Africa, so it's got to be yellow. It's Africa, and the moon is out, so it's got to be blue. It's like it's a direct hue of blue, or it's a big hue of yellow. B one hundred. It's like, oh yeah, well no, but at least we did ours. Like that. No, no. Oh, how bad was that? Right, you just had Father Merrin like sort of facing camera, and then the possessed guy just sort of floated behind him. It just looked really shit. There he is now. There he is again in his toga. Yeah. yeah. So it's anyway, probably, yeah. let's let's stop taking the piss out of it. Seriously, uh, there's there's nothing to be uh, interested in uh, with these with these two movies. And unfortunately, when you look at the whole saga, you you literally just strip everything away and just say there's only one. And it's a masterpiece. It is. Why does everything turn to shit though? Andy? I don't know. Why? I don't know because they think they'll make money out of it. This <laughs> is what it always, always but, comes down to: but, is thing, I, a studio thinking, "Oh, we'll make money out of this okay. franchise." I think if we actually had, if someone came to us and said, "Okay, you two, you seem to have your head screwed on," he's going to say that to us, mate. <laughs> okay, imagine if this this was true. Okay, um, I want you to write an Exorcist movie. Would we? do a good job or would we at least do something that was not what you know would we learn from the mistakes of, of I think so I think a good filmmaker if someone came up to him now and said I want you to make another Exorcist film 
they would do they would learn from the mistakes what's the demon Pazuzu uh, Pazuzu again, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. So why not? Why yeah. can't he come back in a Pazuzu? Come back in another Exodus film now and possess someone else? Why not? Why not? Why? Why? Why should it be? And do something different with it and make it make it exciting and scary again. Yeah. But both of that, I mean, uh, comedy and scares. I mean, uh, The Exorcist was was one of those things that you just you felt like you were on the edge of both because it's like so frightening that it's it's like laughable, funny. Yeah, scared. I don't know. It just scared me. It just scared you. It's 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 one of those weird things, isn't it? Yeah. But thank goodness it exists. Thank goodness um, for Linda Blair. She and never it, did much. She she's been working hard. Actually, what's she been in? She's she's done thousands of TV movies and all. Yeah. All right, she's funny. She she's really she's just making money to just do things and uh, ma- mainly from conventions I mean she's she's like but she's always there for her fans like uh, Freddy Cougar's um, the, 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 Robert Englund yeah Robert because Eng- I've never seen so many people being photographed with Robert Englund in my mm. life who are on Facebook who are even fans of Kruger um, but yeah she's she's always being photographed with fans and she's there to just service the fans I'm going to follow her on Twitter yeah that's what I'm going to do that's what we're going to do and that's it we'll and, do that uh, now so yeah so you know where to find us in our uh, usual places um, iTunes we're still on there they haven't kicked us off yet no um, SoundCloud SoundCloud yeah framebyframe78 at gmail.com if you want to send us an email um, constructive criticism please not just moan that we didn't get to summit for three minutes <laughs> and then not say anything about the actual podcast any content yeah uh, I had to wait three minutes before they started talking about Mad Max. Exactly. <laughs> and, and if it was a six or ten minute podcast... I bet that's how we talked as well, by the way. Yeah. I mean, Mom, I want, you want some sugar on my, on my cornflakes. You didn't put blood. any sugar on my cornflakes. <laughs> I wanted half fat milk. You give me full fat. I hate you so much. You know I'm going to go on YouTube and write weird comments. Do you know? Do you know what Andy's working up to? I just got possessed. <laughs> possessed I, by a cunt. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Andy is just clearly working up to the. Uh, you're working up to the beaver. I'm working up to the beaver. <laughs> I'm always working up to the beaver. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure. Yep. Next time we're going to talk about how Cocktail and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are the same movie. Yes. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Frame by Frame. You can find us at iTunes Store by searching for us there, Frame by Frame. Separate words under the podcast category. Look for our logo and then subscribe. You can listen to our podcast directly with SoundCloud, which is at the SoundCloud website, frame-by-frame-two. You can bookmark the website where you can actually find all the above links at roastedportions.com. Follow us on Twitter at FrameByFrame78, all one word, and interact with us there on all our exciting little ponderings during the week when we're actually not podcasting. So please, check us out, subscribe, follow, bookmark, support, listen, and enjoy. This is Frame by Frame. <laughs>